we start a new series of sermons that's going to go for most of the summer. It's going to go from right now through uh, the middle part of August. So if you're not interested in the life of David, you know, you might want to, um, well, I won't say tune in somewhere else, but it's going to be interesting. We're going we're to we're, we're make it something that it is really something that will touch your heart. Because, well, well, David's an interesting character, isn't he? I mean, he is somebody who is truly unique in Scripture. And I'll say why in just a minute. Uh, he is given more press in the Old Testament than anyone else except Moses. Abraham, you know, the founder of not only our religion, but Judaism and, and Islam, he's given 14 mere chapters. David gets 56 chapters. That's a lot of, of, of the Old Testament. So it's good that we are studying him. And the title of this series is After God's Own Heart. You know, the only person in all the Bible that says he is a person after God's own heart is who? David. Gosh, you already know what the sermon series is going to be about. Yeah, it's David. David is listed as somebody, the only person in all the Bible as someone after God's own heart. So it's worthwhile that we look at this man, for he's someone I think we can identify with. You know, David, when we look at his life, definitely wasn't perfect, was he? In a book about the life of David, Eugene Peterson says this about David. He says, David devious, David angry, David joyful, David loving, David dancing. Wow. Wow describes David and may describe some of us. You know, David uh, was somebody who was definitely not perfect. He is at best an unfaithful husband and an unfortunate father. He is someone who lived out the morals that many of us would see today because this is the world he lived in that's barbaric. And sometimes we question uh, the morality of what we read about David. But it's interesting, in the midst of all this, David is described as what? As someone for God's own heart. And I don't know about you, but I'm an imperfect person. And I know that I'm blown in, and I have mixed motives. And I, I know I don't do everything that I know I should do. And yet, in the midst of all this, you know, God still uses somebody like me. Just like he used somebody like this imperfect king shepherd, this warrior, poet, David. So we are going to begin uh, this series of sermons looking at the life of this very flawed but very passionate individual, David, a man after God's own heart. And Anders Holman's going to grab him on a microphone, and if you haven't met Anders yet, he is our Duke intern. And we're getting him broken in on leading worship. So what a good way to do that by reading Scripture. So Andrews is going to read for us the Scripture passage from today from 1 Samuel 16. Thank you, Ed. You're welcome, Andrews. <laughs> Our reading from 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 1 to 13. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul? I have rejected him from being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and set out. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite. 
For I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears of it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what, to do, what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me the one whom I name to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, Do you come peaceably? He said, Peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify, your, sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is now before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse said to Abinadab, Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. He said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. He sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. The Lord said, Rise and anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. Samuel then set out and went to Ramah. The word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Anders. This is going to be, begin a long career of you getting to do that. So, We've already indoctrinated him. Of course, it's trail day yesterday, and we took him to the FC football game. You might notice a little scratchiness in our voices from going to watch soccer yesterday. So enjoying working uh, with Anders, and he's going to be a blessing to us while he's here. Any of you, the youngest children out there? Any youngest children? We'll have a club. Okay, we'll form a club afterwards and, and talk about all the heartache and sorrow we youngest children's had at growing up. I, I know some of them rolling their eyes, oh yeah, y'all were spoiled. Yeah, you're the, you're the youngest kids out there. You know, everyone looked on you. You got all the good stuff while well, we got, you know, mom and dad treat us rough. Yeah, but the oldest kids treated us rough. 
you know. I was the youngest of four. I had an older sister, and she kind of protected me. But when I was alone with my two brothers, who knew what was going to be happening to me? And I'll give you an example. You know, back in the day of station wagons, some of y'all might remember station wagons. You know, there were no SUVs, none of these bucket seats, I mean, two bench seats. And the way we six rode wherever we were going was dad, my sister, my mom in the front, my older brother's on either window, and I was stuck in the middle because my dad said, I need to be able to see over your head so I can look through the rearview mirror. So there I was in the middle. And particularly on a long trip, on a long trip, you know, these things started to happen. I'd get poked and prodded and pinched, and, and they would start to tease on me. And eventually I couldn't stand any longer, and I'd start hollering and throwing my little fist at them. And then the infamous words that every dad is upset in their lives if you have kids, don't make me come back there. Like he was going to climb over my sister while he was driving and, and stop us from fighting. But that's, things happened to me. I mean, the youngest kid oftentimes is looked down on. I mean, you know, yeah, maybe mom and dad like Joseph, you know, was spoiled some. But did, you saw what his older, older brothers did to him. Well, this story is for us youngest children. So those of you that raise your hands, listen up. Listen up. This, this, this story's for us, okay? Now, you older kids out there, you can listen too. But, you know, you younger kids, listen to this. Because this is about us. I love the way Eugene Peterson in that book, Leap Over the Wall, describes this scene. You know, there's Samuel. You heard him. He, he's come there, uh, directed by God to anoint the new king that God has chosen. And, you know, all the village is going to be there. And, of course, the, the, the family of Jesse is the one that's selected out to, to kind of host this thing. And Samuel says, all right, Sam, all right, Jesse, go get your boys. I, I want to see them. And you know, Eugene Peterson describes a layup coming out, you know, big, muscular fella. He, he's there striding through there. His muscles have muscles. It looks like us who work at the rec center. Well, some of those who work at the rec center won't say me. I mean, he is big and bulky. And you heard what the scripture said. Oh, there's a one right there. I mean, this guy looks like he can go out and whip the Philistines. And, and you know, he, he's just strutting his stuff. And God says to Samuel, no, nope, not him. Not him. And then Eugene Peterson describes uh, Shema uh, or uh, Adabadev this way. He said, Adabadev is a guy that Jesse could afford to send to school. He was going to be the one that was a learned one. And he was the one that, that could read. And he came by, you know, he's a smart, intelligent fella, you know. Not him. And then there is Shema, and, and Peterson describes him as the jet setter. He's the one that has a slick suit on it, his hair combed back. I mean, he just oozes success. Because he has made his mark in the world. He's the one that has the Midas touch. I mean, every dollar he makes, he makes even more dollars. Nope, not him. As it said, I rejected him. Don't look on outward appearances, Samuel. Look on what I look on, the interior, inside of him. And the other sons pass by. They're unnamed. And there's an awkwardness there. You, you can feel the awkwardness because Samuel is saying, okay, Jesse, where, where is everybody? Is this all your sons? And Jesse says, oh, <laughs> yeah, there's the youngest guy. And, and we think so little of him. You, you don't read this in the story unless you know the culture. 
We got him out tending the sheep. Think of the worst job that you had to do as a kid. You know, the, you know, the older kids got to do all this other stuff. But when, as the younger kid, you, you got to do the scrap stuff, right? Because all the older children got to do all these other things. Well, tending the sheep was not a job that you would say you dream for your kids to do. But he was out there tending the sheep. And you can see when, when Samuel's asking about him and Jesse mentions, oh, the youngest one's out tending the sheep. They're there rolling their eyes. Oh, him, oh, God, he ain't worth a flip. Why even bother with that guy? He's no account. We got him out doing that trash job, looking out after the sheep. And Samuel says, we're not going to pick up one fork, put one napkin in our, co- in our collar until he shows up. And he comes. And yeah, the scriptures give him this glowing description of ruddy and beautiful eyes and handsome. But he stank. <laughs> he had been with sheep. He's dirty. He's sweaty. He is somebody that has been out in the wilderness, not thought about at all. I mean, he's just some guy you set aside. And he shows up on the scene and the Lord speaks to Samuel's heart and says, that's the one right there. That's him. And to the shock and the surprise of all in the room, everybody in the room, this young boy with the grime of the desert upon him, the scent of sheep wafting from his clothing, and that doesn't smell good, is getting himself anointed as he kneels before the priest and the prophet. Samuel. Wow. Wow. That's one thing we need to realize about God is God is in the surprise business. The ways of God are not our ways, the scripture tells us. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. And the ways of the Lord are not our ways. And they often are very surprising in the wonder of it all. We, we had the trail day yesterday, you know, and some of y'all took part in the meditative hike, and, and we asked people, as you're walking through these woods, can you see the wonder of it all? What the Lord has made from the, these uh, millipedes that are crawling around, the ants are crawling around, to these huge trees with the leaves blowing, and the sounds of nature all around us filled with wonder and surprise. You know, we were in San Diego a few weeks ago, and we went to the San Diego Zoo. And would you have ever created an aardvark? <laughs> huh? Would you have ever created a, an aardvark or an ocelot? Or, or it's so funny watching the baboons. They display them wonderfully there. They were just running all over the place. What fun. God must take great delight in all these surprising creatures that are giraffes with these long necks, elephants with these long tusks. And someone came to me the other day and said, have you seen the latest pictures in the, from the James Webb telescope? Can you imagine Jesus and, and the Father looking at this? And Jesus says, watch this. And he's throwing another supernova out into space with wonder, surprise. And as we're getting to discover all that, God is in the wonder-making, surprise-giving business. Look at it. You should have been in that room with Samuel and everybody. You know, Eliab, you know, as big and strong as he is, and uh, Eliab with his smarts, you know, his book learning, his pencils, and Shema, you know, with his slick suit and everything. 
and ham? This sheep tender? That's the ways of the Lord, y'all. He's in the surprise business, y'all. Just ask some shepherds watching their flocks by night. An angel of the Lord came and said, Behold, I bring you tidings of great joy for all people. Just ask a virgin in Nazareth when the angel came and said, Hail, favored one. Me? Yeah. God is in the surprise business, you see. Just ask these women who went to a tomb expecting to anoint a body with spices after the death of their teacher. And said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Said the angel. He's not here. He's risen. In the Chronicles of Narnia, which is a great series of children's book written by C.S. Lewis, but if you want to know a lot about my theology, read them because they're filled with the theology of Lewis, which has been a great influence on so many people. The Christ character, Aslan, is described this way. Oh, he's good, but he's not a tame lion because that's how he's depicted. He's not a tame lion, meaning he's somebody that's going to surprise us. We can't control him. He's going to do things that are filled with wonder and goodness. God surprises. Watch for them. He's still in the surprise business for you and for me. He's going to choose people we wouldn't choose and select folks that we thought were of no account. He is going to choose maybe someone in this room to do something marvelous. The other thing that we need to see in the backstory here is that, you know, though God is in a surprise business, God is always using the things of who we are to bring us to the place that he wants us to be. You know, look at David. Uh, he was a shepherd out there a lot of times alone in the wilderness. He was out there uh, by himself and he learned to be vigilant because there are wild animals that could attack the sheep. And we, he learned to be brave. We, we'll read later on uh, in a story for next week that he says this, I have killed both lions and bears. Well, I don't know about you, when I see a bear, I'm going to go the other direction, right? And I saw the lions at the San Diego Zoo, and I didn't want to t tussle with those things. But no, David learned to be brave and to trust in God in his struggles and in his fighting. And as we'll see, when he's fighting some guy that's eight feet tall, where did he learn all that? Also, we know that he was a tender of sheep. He was a shepherd. And uh, because he was a shepherd, he had to learn a lot of patience. Because, well, sheep tend to wander. We, like sheep, have gone astray. When the Bible compares us to sheep, that ain't a compliment. 
They are not the smartest creatures in the world. They take a lot of care, a lot of nurture because they wander off so regularly. But David, learning the, the skill of tending to those who didn't oftentimes act in their own best interest, was, became a great leader because, well, he had tended sheep. And can't you imagine he got his heart right with God's own heart because, well, he wrote poems while he was there out alone in that desert, you know, by the stars at night, there in the heat of the day. He wrote lots of words, poems that, well, you and I call the Psalms. In fact, one of his most famous poems is this. It starts out this way. I bet you can say it with me. The Lord is my what? Where did he get that image? Tending sheep. You see, God will use what is going on in our life and use who we are and all the experiences that we have if we let him and have in our heart directed towards God to do some great things. Many of y'all are going to go this summer to see some national parks. I, I, you know, I, that's just something that families do during the summertime. That's why, uh, you know, we go out and travel, see God's great earth and these places that were set aside for us to enjoy because they're so filled with wonder. And though Ulysses S. Grant in 1872 to establish the first national park, Yellowstone, it was this man, Theodore Roosevelt, who greatly expanded the park service, established uh, the National Wildlife Fund. He was the one that set aside more land than almost anybody else for us to go and enjoy. And you know why that happened? Because Roosevelt, at a young age, was sickly, had asthma, wore thick glasses, which he wore all his life, and he, and he said, I cannot let this bind me. And so what did he do to overcome his obstacles? He got out in the natural world, in the Badlands of South Dakota. In fact, there's a national park there named for him. I believe I'm right on this. The only one named for an individual. I could be wrong, but I think that's right. See, who he was as a youngster was used to bless us all. I know of a fellow that growing up, he, you know, he didn't like to do all the sports stuff, but he really loved to play chess. He, he, he played a lot as a kid and he got pretty good at it and he continued to play as an adult. He did some tournaments, but I mean, he wasn't world class or anything like that, but he was pretty good at chess and enjoyed it. And when his church started an after school program, he asked the director, said, can I come in uh, once or twice a week and teach the kids how to play chess? She said, sure. And as he taught him how to play chess, he became very popular. And every now and then he'd throw in something, you know, we're holding this king here. You know who the real king of glory is? That's Jesus. And, you know, sometimes, you know, we feel like that we're not account of anything like these pawns here. But you know what? In the hands of God, we can do some, all sorts of things. No one's, no one's a mere pawn. And then you'd show him this move to either block a, a move by somebody else or use a pawn to take a knight, you know, things like that. And he said one time, I wondered why I love to play chess so much. I'm seeing how God is using me. All the stuff of who you are. The good and the not so good. At UAB Hospital, there's a man that goes around from rooms to rooms in the transplant ward. Uh, and he goes and talks to them and, and encourages them and, and helps them realize that they uh, can make it. Because you see, as they're talking about the, their 
artificial limbs that they're getting or receiving, he'll do this, lift up his leg and say, I've, I've been there. I know where you are. I'm here to encourage you that you can walk too. You see, God uses all the stuff of our lives, the good and the not so good, if we let them, to be a blessing and surprise others. And that may mean, yeah, for you, that you have a talent that you want to share with other people in the name of Christ. It may mean that, you know, some people that are here that are great cooks and taught by the mamas or grandmothers, and, and you take food to those who are less fortunate or cook for the house house or, or deliver meals to someone who's lonely. You know, some people are really good at writing things, and, you know, there's folks that could use a note of encouragement, and God can use you to do those things. We like to be outdoors, and so you cut firewood and stack logs and deliver them to people who wouldn't have a warm house unless it was for the wood that you, the good church, provide. I don't know what some are saying. I see a few gray hairs out there, one or two. And you might be saying to yourself, I, you know, I'm too old to do any of these things. You know, I, I, my time's passed. You know, let, let the younger crowd do that. How old was Abraham when he was called? 75. He didn't have his first child until he was 100. Can you imagine that? And was your walker walking your baby? Yeah, yeah. You're never too old to be surprised by God. Well, some of you are saying, you know, I don't have a lot of training all this stuff. You know, I, you know I'm, I'm, I do like to be with kids, and I do like to hang around them, but I'm not trained to, to be able to teach or anything like that. You know, I, I don't read my Bible all that much, or I don't understand some of the things in the Bible. You know, there's a fellow named Amos. He was a sycamore tree farmer. He hadn't been to Emory, and he definitely couldn't get to Duke like Anders. I mean, I, I had to go to Emory, but, you know, smart folks go to Duke. He, he, he didn't do any of that. God said, I want you to proclaim my word to your people. So this tree tender, surprised by God, goes and proclaims the word. Hmm. Some of you all out there are saying you're too young. Have you been listening to this story? David was a lad, a boy. God called him. Some are saying, you don't know my past. Everybody's got a past. Adam and Eve had a past. You know, they had a past in glory and, and gave it all up. And yet, in the midst of all that, God showed grace. Moses was a murderer. Samson was a womanizer. The Apostle Paul was a persecutor of Christians. doesn't matter your past. If you have a willing heart, God can use you. All of you. The good and the not so good. Be open to God's leading with the person you are. You know, last week was Pentecost. You still see the banners up there. That's a wonderful reminder. We talked about God sending his spirit upon everybody. Everybody who calls on the name of the Lord. I mean, that's all of us, right? We, we see in the, the end of this text, you know, that uh, Samuel poured oil on, on David and the Spirit came mightily upon him. 
and he went out and did amazing things. Well, that spirit still is being poured out, as we said last week, upon all who call on the name of the Lord. Young people and old, rich and poor. God is still in the surprising business. Let his spirit be poured on you to do some surprisingly wonderful things to bless the world. Be open to the spirit. It's being poured out on you and me. Let's go out and surprisingly bless this world in the name of the one who loves us more than we can ever know. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.